Who are those guys? TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour if our luck holds up. And of course, if we stay on the good side of bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. How are you doing today, Benny? Oh, oh, put it, oh it's just again there. Hang on just one second. I was just taking out my Lysol IV. Hang on just a second there. Okay, it's out. It's <laughs> out. It's Lysol out. IV. It's very out. very it's good. I, I took a little injection myself yeah. this morning. A little bleach in the veins. Yeah, Start right. The Lysol drips. Yeah, exactly. Woo wee. That's good. Good. Clean you right out. <laughs> Jeez, I can't believe he said that. Uh, well, but it turns out now the latest is uh, he only oh, meant that kidding. sarcastically. Oh, sure. Just that kidding. was sarcasm. Mm. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Which, wouldn't you hate to be in bed with that stuff and you wake up from Whoa. a coma? The person staring at you is Mr. Clean. You're right. I, I thought you were saying bed with that stuff, meaning him. I don't want to go there either, but you know, <laughs> that's a whole other story. But uh, yeah, it's some nasty stuff, and I don't uh, wish it on anyone, really, to be honest. But. And the weather's pretty decent out there. It's not here. We have Seattle stormy type weather going on here in Sarasota. And you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) We have to get a little of that, too. So we are always happy to work with Benny. He is the man. And we are here, man and woman, talking to you today about all things metaphysical. This fits into a category that we started, something that Suzanne and I coined, metaphysical Q&A. Because when you get into a metaphysical discussion, unless you have very specific topics in mind, everything is fair game. Everything is grist for the mill. And I think that will be the case today. We are debuting two people on Manson Mitchell that we are pretty excited about. Uh, We love our newbies. You know, oh, sure. make new friends, but keep the old, that kind of thing. Well, we love our, our oldies, our regulars, but, you know, I've had the occasional person say, you know, I'd like to hear from this person or that person, not same old, same old. Don't give me that meatloaf again look because hey, I, I like don't that. need that. I like meatloaf. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with meatloaf. So Gary. Yeah, so- see? <laughs> it's a special sauce on it. It's a special sauce. Well, the two people we are bringing on today are Cody Edner and David Gandelman. They are co-hosts of the Energy Matters podcast. More on that later so you can connect up with their podcast. Cody Edner has been teaching meditation and intuitive awareness for over 35 years. He is the founder of intuitivevision.net and currently travels and teaches advanced intuitive training programs, workshops, and seminars. He's also the former director of the Berkeley Psychic Institute of Santa Rosa. Cody is an intuitive healer and medium. He currently spends his time between Colorado Springs and Leadville, Colorado. I've been to Leadville, have not been to Colorado Springs. David Gandelman is the founder of davidgandelman.com and teaches meditation at Cornell University. With over 10 years of teaching experience, David has cultivated a program that connects energetic experience, ancient wisdom traditions, and humor to create a safe atmosphere for people interested in developing their natural spiritual abilities and tapping into their creative potential through meditation. David is also an intuitive reader and healer by training. 
He currently resides in Los Angeles, where he teaches meditation. We are so happy to have them here today. Welcome, Cody, and welcome, David. Thank Pleasure you. We're so happy to be here. That's what I thought. That's what I thought, too. Start off the show with <laughs> yep. a little chaos. Yeah, right. yep. <laughs> and I've got rolling thunder in the neighborhood here, so it all fits. That's perfect. All right. That Very was good. perfect. Let me go ahead and start this off. Cody, let me get started with you, and then David, you jump right in when it feels right to you. And by the way, you're you're brand new to us. Not all of our questions are going to have a question mark at the end of it. We like to do this conversationally. So we'll just have a big bowl of stone soup, see what we all bring to the meal here today. But Cody, I'd be interested in knowing which at which point in your life, we all have a background, we all have a story, we all have baggage, but Cody, for you, when did you take that turn into metaphysics, to going within and deciding that there was a lot of unexplored territory in your own spirit, in your own mentality that you wanted to engage? That's a really good question, Gary. You know, that it's not like that happens in one exact moment, but there are a couple of, I think, key moments where uh, I was pushed in that direction or something kind of showed up that uh, really piqued my interest. So I, I think I always kind of had a little bit different sense of my relationship to things in the world. I would notice things that we might call uh, energy or spirit. Uh, but when I was 14, I got my first uh, intuitive reading. And that was really a big turning point for me because something magical kind of happened in that reading for me. I, I happened to get that reading with uh, my aunt, took me to get a reading for my birthday, so she was into this kind of stuff already. And we went to this palm reader, and she got a reading first, so I got to observe. And while that reading was happening, um, as my aunt would ask a question of the reader, I would have the answer kind of run through my head, and then the reader would say what I just out of nowhere was, was thinking. And so I had this kind of experience of being around a psychic and suddenly turning on as a psychic. And that obviously left a lot more questions than answers for me. And in fact, in my reading, I uh, years later listened to the, the tape of my reading, which was kind of fun to dig it out and, and listen to it. And when the uh, psychic asked me if I had any questions at the end, I, the only question I asked her was, how do I develop? Uh, my psychic abilities. So I think, you know, and I, and I don't have a memory of that. I just heard myself ask that. But I think I really had an interest that was piqued and, and obviously had uh, a lot of, of questions about that experience that, that I later found answers to. When I started to uh, get into training, I found a place that taught meditation and energy working tools and and pursued it from there. So by, from about the age of 17, I was starting to take classes and gather tools and practice and, and be doing readings. Yeah. Thank you. A seminal moment at 14. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. I was way, way too confused. And of course, confusion can be a great place to start if you don't spin in circles, which is what I think I was doing. But to start that early speaks well for you. And it also gave you a kind of advantage as you pursue this over a lifetime. So, David, what about you? So Cody's got me beat. I started when I was 16, and uh, my brother, who was uh, 
experimenting with drugs in college, brought home some books. Actually, he, dra- he dragged me to the bookstore. He said, you never read, buy a book. I picked up the first one I saw. It was Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now, and some, it was like a light bulb in me, just turned on after the first few pages. And I started meditating deeply after that, and uh, I ended up living in the Himalayas in an ashram, head shaved, meditating all day. And then I ended up living in Hawaii, where I studied at an intuitive training center, which I later became the director of. And then me and Cody met uh, through that place, and we started teaching together. And then the podcast was born, and the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, and and now me and Cody teach the intuitive, we teach intuitive training programs for people who want to open up their abilities the way we have. David, uh, Gary and I, I mentioned this right before we came on air, we listened to a podcast of yours uh, today, which you did exactly a year ago today, April 24, 2019, on the enlightened life. And so if it wasn't clear before then, it certainly became very, very clear that the two of you are about about two things primarily, intuition and meditation. I kind of think of you as the meditation guy. And one of the things that you were talking about in the podcast was a distinction in meditation between the peaceful stillness versus reconciling issues especially around regret or disappointment or, you know, anything, any negative emotions. And I thought that was very interesting. And I wanted you to say a little bit more about that because I didn't see where one was necessarily better than the other. Right. So one isn't necessarily better than the other. They complement each other. So sometimes when we meditate, we do it for the joy of sitting still and being at peace. And other times there is a raging thunderstorm outside and the emotions are running hot and we can't sit still. And there's trauma, there's pain, there's something keeping us stuck from creating in our lives. And we can use meditation to heal ourselves and to shift that energy. So just as an example, I was teaching a class uh, yesterday and I had a student ask, hey, I'm stuck in my career. I fear success. I've never gone after what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a writer. I I never went after it, and I feel stuck. How do I use meditation to get unstuck? Uh, And how do I use this kind of energy work, this intuitive work that you teach? So I followed up with a few questions and, and kind of drew her into understanding the energy around the stuckness. So I said, when you close your eyes and you look at that stuckness, what, do you, what does it look like? She said, it looks jagged, it looks heavy, it looks gray, it, it, and it makes me feel sad. I said, great, so under the stuckness, you've got sadness. Let's look a little bit closer. When you look at that sadness, where did it start? Where did it come from? She was like, gosh, I have no idea. And I said, go ahead, look at it. Maybe a memory will arise out of that stuckness. And she took a moment, and then she's like, oh, my God. This memory of I was in college, I was going after my dreams, I was a major in writing, and, I, and then I thought, I'll never make money from this, and I switched to something else, and I've regretted that day ever since. So I said, oh, so you've, got, you've got stuckness, you've got, a, you've got a, a, a cake here on the top layer, you've got stuckness, 
in the second layer you've got sadness and in the third layer you have regret and it came from that that key decision you made in college does that sound right she was like yes and in that moment i kind of walked her through how in meditation she could release that pain reconcile it and then bring herself back into this present moment almost call her energy into this present moment that was stuck 20 years ago in college and start to create that success and that life that she was looking for and it was really beautiful to watch her actually energetically move through it layer by layer so sometimes we sit in meditation just to be still and sometimes we meditate to work through something like that so that we can live a happy and fulfilled life right we eventually have to get up out of meditating and live and whether that means having a healthy relationship or career or making money or being creative sometimes we need a little bit more strategy and and in a a way to let go of energy that's holding us back well i'm really i like the way that you describe that as really having a dual purpose because i think for people who aren't necessarily uh, expert meditators they're sitting in the quiet and they're trying to figure out what's going on because maybe they're not peaceful because things are coming up for them but if you describe it as having a dual purpose, then you want to go with the purpose that is at hand, whether it is the peaceful stillness or whether it's reconciling uh, an unresolved emotion. I wanted to ask uh, Cody a question, um, and kind of similar, because the two of you work together, I don't want to assume that meditation is an important role, but what role does meditation play Cody when you're working with people on developing their intuition, how important is it really? I think meditation is, is really the foundation, um, not necessarily to turning on to or tapping into your intuition, but in terms of processing through what you become aware of and being able to kind of move through energy. So, so meditation is the place where you go inward and connect with a a certain part of yourself. We could call it the energetic self. And from there, uh, not only are you able to get answers, but you're able to take those steps through the energy that you're working on or those steps in healing yourself. So, So I use meditation. And David and I teach an intuitive training program together. And the foundation of that program is a set of, of meditation, uh, energy awareness tools that allow you to kind of connect into that intuitive part of you, but also open it up a little bit more safely and then practice uh, working with it. And most of us have uh, a level of sensitivity and intuition that is, is fairly natural, or many people do. And, you know, many of us are, are very empathic. And with like what's going on in the world right now, it's it's very easy to get caught up in the energy that um, other people are caught up in, and it starts to build. and And as an empath, we may start to absorb uh, some of the fear or um, hysteria or you know uh, anxiety that's out there. And of course, we may have some that's our own as well. And in meditation. Uh, as we turn inward and connect with that intuitive part of ourselves, we can start to uh, recognize those energies that we're absorbing or becoming the effect of, 
which are really part of our, our true sensitivity. It's part of our true um, psychic self, we could say. And we can start to, to use some awareness tools to, to move through and release those energies and refine our balance and our center and, and refine that, that still quiet place where we can feel safe within ourselves. So that might be how we use the meditation is to perceive things as energy, to be in a place where we can work through and process energy, recognize what maybe is arising because we're sensitive uh, to energy, we're picking up other energies and and release those and, and through that heal ourselves. So it's very, it's very similar. Uh, let me throw this up like a jump ball and you gentlemen can go for it. How do you handle those? I shouldn't say handle so much as manage or how do you help? There's a good word. How do you help those people who come to you with a sense of disappointment? Because as is true in many cases, they have been to maybe it's an ashram. Maybe it's a Zen center. It could be Vedanta. It could be any number of things. And they go there with some mighty great expectations about what meditation or a related spiritual practice is going to do for them. And then they may come to either one of you gentlemen rather crestfallen. And the reason for that is they expected to have the big enlightenment, the brilliant white light, or the pathway to riches, and the streets are suddenly lined with gold, and all is right with their world. And they try this stuff for a while, whatever the modality may be, and they find out that much of the time you do it for its own sake because after you meditate, after you chant your mantra, whatever it may be, suddenly nothing happens. You're in the flow, you're in the practice, but there is no implicit guarantee that because you meditate, because you do yoga, because you do good works, that the universe is going to make you very rich, very handsome, or very pretty, and guarantee you a trouble-free life down the road. Well, <laughs> I don't know, David, uh, were, you, all, were you crestfallen after uh, going to India? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I went through that, and you asked, you asked yeah. great questions. Me and Cody should take a cue from you two on our show. Uh, really, really great questions. I went through that exact thing, and I have a lot of students who go through that. And maybe the way I could describe it is, you know, I had a, I had a student recently who was just complaining about an ex-partner and how they disappointed them, and she was very heartbroken. And I said, you're not so much heartbroken as you are expectation broken. This person broke your expectation. And when we go to meditate, like if we've come out of an ashram or we had a blissful experience and we're looking for the next one, it's like that breaking of expectation. Where's that beautiful enlightenment moment that I had before? It's gone. Now I sit and meditate and I feel empty or I feel tired or bored or stuck. To that, what I would say is now you're at the stage of doing the real work. Usually those initial blissful experiences where some deity comes down and anoints your chakras or you have a real big awakening, those are the easy moments, like life gives us a couple of those and says, look what's possible. And then the real work begins, which is like an inch by inch, day by day, play by play. Uh, you know, we call it living life. And so if you sit in meditation and you're like, the bliss is gone, what do I do now? 
what I always tell my students is just pull gently on that intuitive thread of whatever it is that you're experiencing. So don't deny what you're experiencing. So if you're experiencing boredom, pull on that thread. What's underneath that boredom? Like I was mentioning earlier with the woman who had sadness and, and regret. Maybe underneath that boredom there is a fear, a fear of being a failure or a fear of not accomplishing your goals. And then when you get through whatever that layer is, that's where the gold is. That's really where the gold is, on the other side of whatever you're working through. So if you're going, damn, I'm not having that enlightenment experience anymore, then your next step is to say hello to the resistance around where you are in your life at this moment. And that's a really hard thing to do after coming off a spiritual high. And this happens to people when they, when they leave their guru. Maybe you break up with a guru. Or, uh, your, or your spiritual group or practice, it's not working for you anymore. You might be onto a new stage of your spiritual growth that, that's a little bit different than your last one. And that's hard for us to accept because sometimes the last one was so great or we built, you know, great relationships, but it does change. You know, at, at one point I was living in an ashram with my head shaved and then I got this feeling of, now it's time to maybe have a relationship and, and make money and be in the world. And so these stages shift. They, there's, there's cycles that we go through, and it's okay. But in meditation, just slightly pull on that intuitive thread of whatever it is that you're experiencing and stop resisting it, and then let's see what magic starts to open from that. You know, it, it seems to me that uh, a lot of the reason that people will either get into a meditation practice or want to develop their intuition is that, of course, they're looking to make their life better by how it is that they measure that. And it could be a great relationship. It could be a better job. It could be better health. You know, any number of things which are more of the physical world. And, and so I wanted to um, ask you, Cody, when you're working with energy, it seems like when the when the initial high is over, people want to start manifesting stuff. You know, I want the stuff. Give me the stuff. So how how what is that relationship between working with energy and actually manifesting the things that we'd like to have? That's a really good question. There there certainly is a relationship there when we start to work with energy and we start to change uh, energy within and we start to change some of our our pictures of what we're pursuing uh, we start to have these little miracles happen so th there is this uh, kind of feedback loop that starts to happen but there's a couple of concepts that we have to work with similar to what David was just talking about in terms of, you know, pursuing the, the spiritual path and then being let down by it. One of the, the concepts we work with um, as an approach to opening up our intuition is something we call kindergarten or beginner's mind might be a better uh, way to look at it. And so all those expectations that we have about what should happen or how this is going to work, we have to let those go and set those aside, and we have to open up to kind of that energy that we 
really had in kindergarten of just everything's new and I'm exploring and I'm experiencing and I don't know what's going to happen because the the path of awareness or discovering one's intuition is is really a path of exploring this whole other world uh, within and relating to the world differently. And every idea we have about how that is going to be or what should manifest is is maybe made or created out of kind of an old uh, paradigm or an old way of seeing things. And so in many ways, the first step is to get a little bit out of that pressure of I have to be producing or I have to, you know, everything has to suddenly work perfectly and get into a little bit of a place of, okay, I'm beginning this new journey and it can be exciting and it can be fun and miracles can happen. But all that happens only as I get centered in myself and get aligned with myself and then just let things unfold or arise into both my awareness within and into the world. And so we kind of have this idea of neutrality or acceptance and openness. And so it's more about going within and getting aligned with ourselves in a new way, which suddenly may change what we want and what we've been pursuing. Maybe something new arises. Or maybe, like David was just sharing with that lady, maybe something old re-arises. And and so now we're having to shift our energy into a new direction. And as we do that, it takes a little time for things to manifest. But there is this, a very direct relationship between where we're putting our energy, where we're creating, and then where things start to come to us. But it oftentimes takes a little longer um, than people want to wait, right, or than we might think or we might wish and it's not that the universe is is taking longer it's that i have to change certain things i have to change my energy or take go through certain steps to start to create the space to have that new thing come into my life i like that and what it sounds like you're talking about cody is kind of like playtime like try things Mm -hmm. experiment on yourself uh if this doesn't work you know try something else so what I hear you talking about is not being attached to the outcome. Like try things. They either work or they don't work. And if they don't work, go try something else. If you watch a a small child playing, you know, when something doesn't work, they just kind of move on to another thing. They they don't, they don't sit there and say, I don't know why this isn't working the way I want it to. They just like keep playing, keep playing and moving on. And I, I guess it's what you're saying with regard to, you know, the energy work is that, you know, you, you might get some little miracles thinking or visualizing a different way. And if it doesn't stick or if it doesn't somehow seem like it's really you, you know, that you can just experiment and try other things. Good not to be attached to the idea that everything ne- needs to happen instantaneously, like instant soup, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And things do happen. It's just that they often don't match our expectations, right? Our expectations came from uh, somewhere, and a lot of times it's from society at large, so they maybe aren't even really true to us, right? We have to find 
those answers in ourselves. And that's what takes a little time. Like, what do I really want? And what am I really about? And where are my real talents and creativity? So all those things are discovered uh, more deeply through meditation and that part of developing ourselves and getting those answers takes a little time, a little practice. A little time, a little practice, and we have more time to practice with us on the other side of our one break of this hour. We are Manson Mitchell. We're talking with Cody Edner and David Gandelman. These gentlemen host a podcast. They do a lot of other stuff, too, but they host the Energy Matters podcast. I recommend it highly. Suzanne and I were grooving on it before the show, and we thought, wow, talk about metaphysical Q&A. Lots to discuss here, and including when we come back to Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Right now, Doctors Without Borders medical teams are operating in some of the most remote and dangerous corners of the world. When front yards become front lines, when disaster erupts, when disease rages, when communities collapse under crisis, at the crossroads of conflict and epidemic, where there are no hospitals, that's where we operate. We go where conditions are the worst because that's where we're needed most. In nearly 70 countries, we're saving lives threatened by violence, disease, malnutrition, and catastrophic events. Donors are vital to our mission. Your response is critical to our response in places where a few others will go. That's where we operate. Learn more at doctorswithoutborders.org. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. 
Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guests, Cody Edner and David Gandelman. Uh, we'll go in reverse alphabetical order. David, you first. Please tell our listeners your website, the website you have together, the one that you have on your own, what's going on, where people can find you, any social media or anything that you would like to share. Sure. So uh, Cody and I, our podcast is called Energy Matters, and you can find it on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, wherever, and at energymattersacademy.com. And then I also have Meditation School, uh, which is a membership site I teach live uh, multiple times a month, and that's at my website, davidgandelman.com. And then uh, lastly, you can find a lot of free meditations from me on the app Insight Timer, which is actually the most used meditation app in the world. So a great one if you're just getting into meditation or you're looking for some new teachers. There's thousands of great teachers on there. Uh, so those would be the places. All right, and I'm going to go ahead and spell Gandelman for our listeners. If you want to find David at davidgandelman.com, his last name is G-A-N-D-E-L-M-A-N. Did I get that right? You did. Okay, so that's where you can find him. Cody, now we know you've got the Energy Matters Academy, but what else? where else can people find you if they would like to connect with you? Yeah, so I do. I have the same uh, Energy Matters Academy as uh, David, and our podcast is found there, and we have courses there. We have a, a daily OM course that we created um, a few years ago on chakras. And then I, my website is intuitivevision.net, and you can find me there for uh, private one-on-one sessions, uh, downloadable meditations, and courses. Um, and I, I have... I have one meditation on Insight Timer. <laughs> I'm a little lazier. <laughs> David's a go-getter. I'm, I'm the old old guy. <laughs> you know what I like about you two guys? A lot of stuff. But one of the things I notice is that around you, somebody's going to experience a lot of happy energy. They can just take a bath in it because you guys take life so seriously, but at the same time, you realize that life is far too important to be taken seriously. Now, there's a Zen koan for somebody to meditate on. The idea that there's a lot of happy energy, a lot of laughter with you guys, but at the same time, you're dealing with some of the heaviest stuff that any human being will have to deal if they're going to live the examined life. Right, and... And in fact, amusement is uh, really one of the things that uh, someone has to kind of find within themselves. Uh, and it's, it's not really laughing at anything. It's our ability to kind of laugh at ourselves a little bit when we start to get caught up too much in, in the world and in a game or in the seriousness. And the, the best way out of um, getting kind of stuck in something is to step back and to connect with that spiritual essence that is a little bit amused with everything, that is a little bit in more of the creative, problem-solving, things are fixable and movable uh, vibration than the real rigid energy that we can get in when we get focused on a problem and we start to try to lever it with effort and will and resistance. So amusement is a is a key thing. David's got a little bit of a comedian in him. So I don't know if it was uh, David who told the story or not, but 
Uh, talk about uh, a great lesson in a great story. And I'd, I'd like whoever it was that told it to retell the story of the power plant. Yes. So this is a story that the memory coach and teacher Jim Quick, I, I've heard him tell. It's a beautiful story of, uh, I can't remember the Eastern European country, but I think he, he, this guy was at this uh, power plant and he watched this go down where the whole plant shut down, like some wire got fried, whole thing shuts down, big problem. Uh, the foreman calls in an engineer and he goes, there's thousands of panels in this power plant all across this huge area. And he goes, can you fix it quickly, please? And the guy goes, okay. And he walks over, you know, there's all of these columns. He walks over to one column, dozens of panels. He opens one panel, all these different bolts and switches. He finds the right bolt. He, he, he switches it out. And then all of a sudden the power plant turns back on. And the foreman's like, oh, my God, you're a savior. How much do I owe you? And the engineer goes, $10,000. And he goes, $10,000? That was like five minutes of work. Why do I owe you so much? He goes, well, uh, yes, it maybe only took me five minutes to do the work, but it took me years to find out which bolt to change. And that's what I'm charging you for, the expertise of knowing where to go right away. And I think that... That's what we're all kind of looking for, right? Instead of looking up at the stars, looking at thousands of stars going, my answer could be anywhere, knowing where to look. And when it comes to meditation and spirituality, uh, we, the one place we always don't look where we know we should is inside. It's that one spot that if we just heal that area in our heart or whatever it happens to be, then the whole power plant turns back on. And it usually is the place that we don't want to look. We even go to gurus and we sit at their feet and we kiss their feet. Tell me the answer, Master. And the answer says, look inside. And then we go, oh, thank you. You're so wise. And we don't. <laughs> right? And it's, it's that simple, but it's hard because it's simple. It's not hard because it's complicated. And in meditation, when we close our eyes, it is that simple, and if we could just let some of the resistance and the pain wash over us for a while without moving, without trying to change it or fix it or heal it, then all of a sudden an, a deep answer will reveal itself. And if we could do that, our whole lives can start to change. And I love this quote by Mark Twain. He says, the two most important days of our life are the day we're born and the day we find out why. And I think when we really sit deeply in meditation and we get over a few layers of resistance, that why, that purpose starts to emerge, it starts to arise, and it is almost like being reborn a little bit. And most people who've had a spiritual awakening will describe it that way. It's like I was one person before, and now I'm another person after. It's like we're born twice in this life. And after the second time we're born, that's where the work really starts, not where it ends, which is where we started our conversation today. How, after that bliss, how do I continue on? Or Jack Cornfield has a beautiful book called uh, After the Ecstasy, the Laundry. And I think that's what we're all doing here is some, some dirty laundry. 
<laughs> That's a beautiful yes. point, Suzanne. You're yeah. gonna, I'm going to keep that in mind, Suzanne. You were going to say something. Uh, I was going to go to a different question. Do you want to pursue that for a second, or shall I go on? Well, to my sure, other I question? think time allows. Okay. At first, the ecstasy, then the laundry. Yes. Now, you gentlemen, I can tell, are quite a bit younger than myself and Suzanne. But what I can say, having been alive, I don't know how conscious I was, but alive in the 1970s, I can recall a trend, for, especially among people who had the money to go and spend a weekend at Big Sur, or they went to Esalen there, which is, I think, Big Sur, or any number of places. They would go uh, join a kibbutz for a while, all that kind of thing going on. And when they did, they talked about, oh, the highs. Oh, that was such a peak experience. There's the phrase, peak experience. Oh, man, that was such a peak experience. And what I came to find out is that people could have peak experiences, number one. But secondly, there is a subset of society of peak experience chasers. They're like tornado chasers. When there's a peak experience, then they want another one and another and another. It reminded me of maybe a century or so earlier, if you go to some place like China, they had the opium dens and people would go into the opium dens for the experience, right? It was an altered state. And they went to those dens because, as the saying has it, they were chasing the dragon. And so when you quote Cornfield, I think that's fantastic because here you may have a peak experience, but then you got to do your laundry. You've got to wash your car. You've got to work for money, most of us. And that requires that you find a way to carry your spirituality in the throes of its painful growth into the busy, noisy, sometimes chaotic marketplace. And that's where the true learning comes. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, absolutely. Cody, I've got another question for you, uh, something that's a little bit more contemporary. That is that um, as you're working with people and you're working in the chakras and the energy, uh, people doing their inner work on an individual level, I, I have to believe from other people, other experts I've talked to, that any work that we do on an individual level is also contributing to the collective at this point. And what do you think is going on with us energetically right now with this pandemic? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> a lot of a lot of different um, ways that we could go with that. You know, when when this when this whole thing kind of started, in fact, I, I was out in uh, Spokane uh, at the um, in early February at the National um, Swimmers Swim Meet Conference, my daughter's a swimmer in college, and and so they're you know we're starting to kind of hear about this pandemic and they're starting to kind of see the energy of it, and I came back home and and as I was meditating and reflecting on the shift and things that were happening, one thing that really came back to me was in my youth I got to spend a few years living with my grandfather when he was in his 90s, and he had lived through the uh, 1918 pandemic and the Great Depression, of course, And but he didn't really talk much about the Depression. He talked a lot. He would tell stories about the 1918 pandemic, and 
And so one, as, as the fear and everything was getting to a higher and higher uh, kind of crescendo and, and people are getting more and more, you know, like this catastrophizing out, way out into the future, what really stood out to me about that was that as much as it left this huge impression on him and it really changed many things, uh, we got through it. You know, we got to the other side and these things kind of come and go in in human history. And the thing that stands out to me in all of the different trials that we go through like this is that we, we take a step, that things change. I think old things kind of get broken up and fall away and new things are able to emerge. And this is an energy we've been in for a number of years of really kind of a consciousness uh, revolution or renaissance where things have really been shifting and taking Mm -hmm. a step. And and I think uh, a shock to the system, you know, accelerates that. And and everybody is in a place to emerge in a a new energy level. Um, and, And I suspect when I look at people and work with people, of course, they're having to go through a lot of old energies and old stuckness and uh, the whole new energies emerging and coming up within. Um, and I suspect that there's even some kind of a energy physiological change happening. I think there's a, a really big shift happening uh, in those that are ready to, to accept it and, and take that step. But I definitely see the individual as the key component to that broader shift in the collective, which is, is why we teach uh, meditation uh, to as many individuals as possible and teach people to go within uh, rather than work at a level of trying to change some bigger system. So, yeah. Yes, cha- you can only change yourself, but in changing yourself, right. you do end up uh, changing the collective consciousness. Gary and I have been reading a book that is um, about 30 years old, and in it, the, the author is talking about uh, expansion and contraction. And I said, boy, that seems like it's what's going on here. After a great deal of expansion and having it happen very quickly, it seems like now we are in this contraction period. And there is the, the downside of it is very obvious. But right. there is also an upside to the contraction of um, well, like the, the lessening of smog and, and, uh, and waters becoming clearer and, and the air quality improving and people getting connected with their families again and neighbors and all kinds of stuff. And so you would never, never, never wish a pandemic on anybody. But you can also see some of the good that's coming out of this period of contraction that, that I think we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think as we come out of it, I think we will see the that good and that shift manifest in, in new ways in in the way we relate to the world. And in one way, I uh, D- David and I just did a podcast we're going to release in where we talked a bit about the pandemic and we go more into this. But in one way, when I look at it, I think it is really highlighting our relationship to everything. So our relationship to nature, our relationship to each other. Just how we relate in the world is just center stage for us to examine and and evaluate and and hopefully evolve with and change. 
One of the things that I got from your podcast, and, and I guess I want to address this to David, is a, a very wise man that I worked with one time said that we should always be teaching what it is we know and learning more so that you are constantly both teacher and student. And when I was listening to your podcast, it seemed like you were saying something similar to that, David. You continue to learn more and to go to workshops even though you're teaching workshops, right? Yeah, that's really the only way that I learn is by teaching something. And the guy I mentioned before, Jim Quick, the He's this world-famous memory coach, and I took a seminar. He was there, and that's exactly what he said. He said, if you try to memorize something, for example, you'll probably forget it in in 30 minutes. But if you memorize it and then right away go to teach it to others, you're going to remember a lot more of it. And I think that can be said for a lot of things in life. And people wait too long to teach because they think, oh, I'm not an expert or I'm not perfectly enlightened. I'm not as good as my teacher, which is something I went through a lot. Cody was one of my teachers. I'm never going to be as good as Cody. How can I teach? But here we are. Uh, I was sitting on the beach once in Hawaii at this park right by the water, and I had this very clear thought, I'm never going to be as good as my teacher. And right when I had this thought, a bird took a crap right on my head (laughs) all over me. And it was was like life was like, all right, buddy, this is a wake-up call. And I realized, oh, I'm not supposed to be as good as my teacher. I'm supposed to grow into myself, right? Just like any any flower, it's not trying to be like the flower next to it. It has to unfold and develop into itself. And this idea that we have to be better than – somebody else or as good as them, I think is this false premise that we all unconsciously live by. And it's something that we have to overcome as we grow. So it's easy to take a spiritual concept like that. Oh, yes, I'm going to have to grow into myself and not be like other people. But it's a different thing to actually go through it, to get stuck in the invalidation, right? To, to have your wheel stuck in the mud and you're hitting the gas pedal, nothing's happening to wake up in the morning and feel like you'll never get there and then work through that. So if you're yes. listening to this and you're like, oh, I'm experiencing that, you've got to actually get through it. It's not just an idea. And I spent years stuck in the mud with that one until I finally started sharing my content online. And uh, luckily for me, people were enjoying it. I don't know why, but uh, after a while, we started getting millions and millions of listens, and I got tons of feedback, and all of a sudden people were saying, I enjoy your teachings, which surprised me <laughs> again, but it was, I realized, oh, it's me and this person connecting. You know, it's not just about the information, but it's about the energy that I'm bringing to, to this. And that's what we all have to remember. It's about the energy that we're bringing to life, not just about the concepts or the information or the knowledge. When we look at this opportunity we have, whatever our length of years, it's come to me rather late in life, I admit, that I do myself a favor if I decide to be my own hero and be my own guru. I'll tell you guys why I say that. I would be taken with this or that celebrity, or it might be some aspect of their character or career as I perceived it, and I would envy them. I would try to emulate them in some way. 
I wondered if I could ever have any piece of what they had achieved, and I would consider my life to have been well-lived. It's an extensive list, but just a few names off the top of my head of the people that I admired for the way they lived their life. Bill Cosby, Lance Armstrong, <laughs> Matt Lauer, famous TV journalist, host, co-host of the Today Show. And I would look at these guys, um, an interviewer that I always admired, Charlie Rose, and I thought, these guys have the secret. They know how life <laughs> is meant to be lived. Well, what did I know really? And so now I look in the mirror and I say, whatever it is you bring to the world, whatever it is that you can absorb and internalize, go for that, pace yourself. And I'm I talk to myself a lot. You ought to hear me in the shower. It's a riot. But I tell myself, <laughs> do these things that you know how to do. And if you feel like it, practice on what you don't know or what you don't do very well. And whatever it is you are doing will tell you the meaning of your life. Stop looking to other people as exemplars of good living or of virtue because they may have a lot less than you think they possess. It turns out a lot of them are more messed up than me. That's right. And yeah. uh, what a list. You might as well add Louis. Yeah. Yeah. And I could go on. Yes, that's right. So here we are under two minutes. There, guys, in terms of just extending an invitation, let people know once again how they can get in touch with you, what you the have podcast, coming up, the right. podcast always, but the sorts of experiences they can have. We're down to about a minute and a half here. Use it well. Uh, sure. So, again, the Energy Matters podcast, uh, you can find it on all the platforms and energymattersacademy.com and my stuff, Meditation School, you can find at davidgandelman.com. Excellent. Yeah. And my stuff Cody? at yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, thank you yeah. for spending the time with us today. We like our metaphysical Q&A, and we like meeting new people, and we have certainly enjoyed meeting the two of you. You have engaging personalities, but I respect you both for being seekers. It takes a certain amount of courage to confront core issues of life and the meaning of life, even if you never get to answer it totally before you draw your last breath. But you guys give it a hell of a try every day, I can tell, and I appreciate you accordingly. Thank you thank very, very thank much. Thank you for having us on. You guys. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. And stay tuned for the Christine Upchurch Show, followed by the Susan Harmon Experience, and then Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. All of that right here on Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. I hope this starts a great weekend for you.